Welcome. I'm the baseball lifer, Don Wardlow here. Take a seat. Coffee's on. And there's a guest today. Julian Gillardi is our guest. Julian runs a podcast of his own called Out in the Field. And first and foremost, welcome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, looking forward to today and great job with the name as well. He nails it. I've been a fan since 1971. Uh, I broadcast starting in 91 until 2002 and remained a fan since even leaving the leaving the booth. I'm still as much a fan as I ever was. First and foremost, let's talk a little bit about out in the field. Uh, how How did that get started and what kind of luck have you had with it um thank you i appreciate it uh it's just been uh kind of wanted to go a solo ship to baseball then got my friend sandy to help me and she does translations for spanish players sometimes and now uh it's about coverage of minor league and major league baseball i cover minor league games extensively with the yankees double a team uh conduct interviews with certain players from here and there we'll get some analysts on too uh have a youtube channel and just look to continue to progress obviously the podcast like you said and we're on instagram twitter tiktok all the savvy social media stuff excellent this is episode six of the baseball lifer so it's been about six weeks since i've gone forward with it and uh, how long has uh out in the field been out in the field uh well i mean i had a podcast before out in the field so out in the field in itself has been around i would say seven or eight months now maybe if i had to guess somewhere in that ballpark so that's what we're looking at and you mentioned the yankees double a and for those who wouldn't know that's the somerset patriots it wasn't uh, until recently they had been the trenton thunder but they moved to Bridgewater, New Jersey, and that's where the Somerset Patriots play their games. Presumably that's where you've been covering them. Yeah, exactly right. That's where I've been working to cover them. Um, They made a big shift, and that's already a championship team. So um, that was good to see quick. They won it this year. Last year they came very close to being a playoff team. And it's only been their second year, technically, after all this alignment shifting with all the um, issues we had with COVID and taking away some minor league teams. Uh, the Somerset Patriots are about as good as you could be, I guess, in that quick a time. Although it's not like they lost players in the farm system. They just changed the name and moved to Bridgewater. T- tell me about Anthony Volpe. Talk to me about him. Oh, yes. Anthony is a great friend, um, great person. His family is very... Um, I'm born into him. His family is very nice. I got to meet them. Uh, I'm not going to get too analytical on you. Uh, I like them, but I don't need to shove them down people's throats. Uh, I like watching the game, too, and kind of seeing how four plays out, looking at every number in the book. Uh, Anthony's a stud, though. He he played a lot of time in double A. He had a walk-off homer to get them to the playoffs. And he stole a bunch of bases at 50 in the year. Most of the season was spent double A, like I said. Um, great fielder as well. Hits for power, contact. He can be a five-tool player potentially. Uh, I think you're going to see him with the Yankees this year at a certain point. So I'm very excited to see what he could do. 
he started off slow, but then he really got it on and he really was firing. Like last year too, he did a little bit. Uh, like the first month or two weren't great, but then June on, he just took off. Now, modern baseball, you have 13 and 14 pitchers. So it helps to have guys who can play as many positions as possible. I don't know as much about Anthony Volpe as I might. What positions is he good for? Um, He's a shortstop first, but in my opinion, I think this might end up being proven at a certain point in time. I think he could very well play second base as well. Um, Maybe an outside shot at third. That's all you could really do. I would say short and second primarily. Obviously, the main focus is shortstop. Um, so yeah, that's how I would look at that. I want to say second because they also have Oswald Parasa, who's a shortstop, and he might be a better defender. And there could be a shot you see these two together at a certain point in time. So I could see that happening. That's why I'm thinking about second too. I've seen him play second in spring training a little bit. Uh, it looks pretty natural for him from the little bit I was able to see. So I would say he's a middle infielder. That was my next question, was Oswald Peraza. What do you know about him? What kind of a hitter do you think he is, and what kind of positions does he cover? Uh, Peraza, they did put him in second a little bit during the year in the majors. I would primarily put him at shortstop. He's a great defender. Um, He's one of the better defenders the Yankees have. He's the best shortstop defender in the entire system, I think, arguably the whole team, because I don't think IKF is the best defender. So, his bat to me is like the one question you would have because we got to see if it's major league ready. He's a very good in a small sample size last year, but in the minors, his OPS is like, I think, 760 career or something. So you have some work to do with that. Um, his speed's off the charts too. So it's really just a question that he can hit in the majors. But I think with his speed and defense, as long as he can be an average hitter, I think he'll be just fine, honestly. This is the Baseball Lifer podcast with Don Wardlow, my guest, Julian Gallardi of the podcast Out in the Field. And we're going to get to speed in a minute because speed, I believe, is going to play a larger role in baseball going forward. So, But before we get to speed, there was a guy I didn't expect to see in 2022 as a Yankee fan, and his name was Oswaldo Cabrera. What do you know about him? Have you seen him in double-A? Well, last year, I forgot to mention, so thank you for this segue. This helps me. I got to watch them both a little bit. Peraza and Cabrera were a double-play combination, actually. They were playing second and short a lot. Um, but I wasn't there as much. I just started my work there last year briefly, like for a month or two, but I wasn't going every game and stuff. So I didn't get to see them as much as I would have liked. I didn't know what they were going to turn into, obviously. But back to Cabrera, I mean, to me, his guy's impressive just because he can play so many different positions. I want to see his back get a little bit better, but he's got a little speed. He has a little bit of pop. He just has to be more consistent, hit for a better average. But he only got like 150 at-bats, I think, in the major league level. So there's a lot to be determined still. But he has. we saw in the minors, he has a ton of power and so much versatility. And he actually didn't even play the outfield in the minors. And the majors was the first time he really did it. And he did a great job out there. The reason I mentioned that speed is going to play more of a role in baseball 2023 and beyond is a rule change that has been talked about and talked about quite a bit, I might add. And that is that pitchers 
now have a limited number of pickoff attempts they can make. And if they make too many, a guy gets an automatic base. Talk to me about your opinion on that. I think that's an interesting thing. And uh, I think that's why you're starting to see the Yankees start to emphasize the speed training more. I talk to all these guys from different levels and it's all about getting their stolen bases up. The minor leagues and the Yankees, these guys are running at will. Like even catchers are stealing bases like Austin Wells and Anthony Siegler both stole 16 bases. Every guy that plays seems to have 30-plus stolen bases if they're an infielder or an outfielder on uh, a major player for this team. So I think you're going to see the Yankees have a big shift. You're going to see a lot more seals. I think it's good in a sense because it's going to make the game less stationary. I think you're seeing too much station-to-station. Uh, people are relying on the analytics too much. People hitting into shifts, striking out, hitting homers and all that. So, like, um, I don't know if I love the pickoff moves, like too many pickoff attempts. I'm not sure if I love that part of it, but it's going to get some action going. Talking with Julian Gillardi of Out in the Field Baseball Podcast. Now, Julian, how long have you been a fan of this game? I've been a fan of this game for 20-plus years around. I started really watching Cold Stones 8 to 10. Um, I've always liked the game, even though it was small. Just uh, couldn't grasp it too much before that time frame. So I'll give you 20-plus years, and um, it's been fun. I'm excited to see how it continues to grow. I mean, I wish the Yankees would have won World World Series during this last little stretch of mine. But, hey, I mean, we're still watching good baseball. They're making the playoffs. They're just not finishing the job. Now, the baseball that I remember from my boyhood involved a man named Lou Brock. Lou Brock stole 118 bases in 1974, and that that was the first base-stealing record I was aware of. I hadn't been born when Maury Will stole his 102, 104, that is. And then following Lou Brock, we had Ricky Henderson, who trashed Lou Brock's record, took it to 130 steals. And then the steals just went away. And I really hope, Julian, that the steals are coming back because of these new rules. Yeah, I think so. Um, I haven't, when I was growing up, people used to steal a lot. Like it was kind of the end of the Ricky Henderson day. So I kind of miss that, unfortunately. But I remember there used to be more running involved. And this year, like, I don't know what the leader had. I would guess, like, in the 30s or 40s, maybe. I could do a quick fact check for you. But I know a guy I really like, and he's a free agent, is one of the few guys that does steal bases. It's Trey Turner. And the Yankees, at the end of the year, and we only actually saw him in the playoffs, uh, the Yankees picked up an outfielder, Harrison Bader, who seems to have some wheels. Yes, it's another guy. He likes stealing bases. He likes playing small ball, too. I think this is a player you could definitely get behind. Uh, I actually got to speak to Harrison when he was doing his rehab in A. So he told me that he likes to play small ball. He's a winning player and all that. So it's definitely a big changeup. And, yep, my facts are correct. John Birdie led Major League Baseball with 41 stolen bases on the year. And Trey Turner had 27, which is kind of low for him, actually. But it is, and then Jorge Mateo at 35. So the stolen base is um, only six people had 30 or more. And hopefully that's going to change. Now fill me in. Who did John Birdie play for? John Birdie was a Marlin, second baseman. Right on. So 
Another thing they talk about now, because I'm blind, maybe I don't see where this is going to happen. They're talking about the bases being moved slightly, and they're talking about larger bases. And they're saying both of those are going to add an advantage to the running game. Yeah, definitely. I think that is going to add an advantage. I think because you're getting, you're now, you're basically compromising a few feet here, and every foot makes a difference. Like as close as you get, and you see these bang bang plays. If the bases are bigger, that means that you have less space to run. In theory, there's less pick off attempts. So I think you're going to see an uptick for sure. I would guess you'll see at least fifteen to twenty guys steal thirty or more bases next year. Talking with Julian Gallardi of the podcast Out in the Field. What have you seen with the pitching when you watch the Double A Yankees? The, the the Yankees major league team is going to need pitchers. If not now, they're going to need them soon. Yeah, um, you know we trade a few guys. I like the pitchers. The kid named Randy Vasquez. We just added to the forty. He ended the season with an eight inning no hitter in the championship. Um, he then they had then they finished the job off. Uh, then they added Johnny Brito as well. He was in double A for a while. Um, he can end up pushing next year. These are two good pitchers. Um, Will Warren, Yandres Gomez, or a couple others I would look out for. And they have some talent down there for sure. And we'll see how much it's needed next year. But like you said, they always need pitching, and those are some guys I've gotten to watch closely that I could definitely vouch for. On the Baseball Lifer podcast with Don Wardlow and our guest Julian Gallardi. Julian, watching this great game, took you out to Colorado last year when the All-Star game was played in 2021. How did that come about? That was an amazing experience. Uh, I got to see the home run derby too. It's something I really wanted to do for a while. I always wanted to do an all-star game. Uh, Gord's field was incredible. I was in the upper deck and uh, by the right field side, but it was just a great atmosphere and experience. I just something I wanted to do. I got to see the futures game too. So I figured that um, it was something worth watching, honestly. Like, um, it was so fun. I, and it was just a nice vibe around the city, especially since after COVID in 2020, we needed something to feel good about in a public setting. And I think that was the best thing to do. It was definitely the highway to, to my baseball viewing last year, I would say. And another great game I saw, actually, I'll take you away from Colorado. When I w- actually went to Atlanta, this one stands out to me now. I went to Atlanta last year in 21. And this was the game that Freddie Freeman had to go against Wandy Peralta. Peralta was battling him for like 10 plus pitches. Uh, Chapman got burned through. Like the Braves were on the brink of beating the Yankees. And Freeman, you think, hits a homer, but he flies out around the track. That was probably like the best game I saw, along with uh, the Giancarlo Stan and Grand Slam at Fenway Park. Those two were both road trips, and they definitely stood out to me for sure. Last question for Julian Gallardi of the podcast Out in the Field. What do you think the Yankees need to do to get over the hump and beat the Astros? Because you've got to figure, barring some major improvement on the Angels' part, it's got to be the Astros and Yankees again next year. Yeah, I think you're right. I really do. And I think that um, the Yankees have a lot of work to do. There's no question about it. They have to get themselves together. 
what I would do is you're going to have to add a pitcher, even though I know pitching wasn't the problem. The Astros pitching is better than the Yankees pitching, so I need another starting pitcher. Um, if you could take Verlander off their team, great. But I don't know if he's worth the commitment at his age. Uh, Carlos Rod don't interest me. I know they're talking to this Japanese guy named Senga, who might be pretty intriguing. And then for offense, you know, we got to get a big bat, left field, or shortstop. I would say like a Trey Turner or Brandon Nimmo could do the trick, but um, we'll see what they want to do. They got work to do. I have to tell you, I can't understand why they haven't backed up the Brinks truck for Aaron Judge. Nobody, but nobody can replace that man. Yeah, that's a big topic, and they got to get to it. They definitely got to get to it with that. Um because without him, they're going nowhere fast. There's no contingency plan in place that makes losing him okay. So that's that's that's, that's yeah. the eight hundred pound gorilla in the room that nobody seems to be talking about. We've got to see whether the Yankees can do that or whether he'll end up in San Francisco, as some of the talk has been. Yeah, the Giants are a big threat, and, you know, he's out there visiting them today. I know he's got family out there, too. Uh, spoke to Randy Miller, who seems adamant to think that he's going to be a Giant. Uh, the Giants are going to put a big offer up there. Uh, the Yankees are going to have to match or exceed it. And then watch for the Dodgers as well. I think it's a three-team race. Um, I, I still think he's going to return. I'm still feeling good about it, but you never know what could happen. You've been listening to the Baseball Lifer podcast. This is Don Wardlow with Julian Gallardi. Julian, thanks a lot for joining me. Don, thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's been fun. I uh, look forward to sharing the episode when it's out. If you've got a topic for the Baseball Lifer podcast, you want to hear about a team, a baseball season that stands out in your mind, let me know. Send an email to baseballlifer74 at gmail.com. That is baseballlifer74 at gmail.com. Thanks a lot, and I'll see you next Friday.